0: But the reality is, is we never think about when we're dating, we never think about their problems. Oh, he's perfect. Sure he is. Give it a year. Then you're going to start noticing that glaze will go off of your eyes and you'll, right? Oh, she she cooks the best. Stop lying. Your mama cooked the best. Now, really, I'm the only one that can say that because my wife does cook better than my mom did. Come on, baby. I told you every time, every opportunity you get yourself a brownie point. I just happen to have a microphone. I get mine out in public. Hmm. Today we're gonna we're gonna be looking at a very unusual story in the Old Testament, in Genesis 29, about Jacob, Rachel, and Leah. Say Rachel. Rachel. Say Leah let's see what the bible says and let me catch you up first before we start reading up to this point jacob was on a journey of some sort and he came across this watering well and and he saw some some cattle and or some sheep laying there waiting to be watered and he comes up and he starts talking to the shepherds and you know asking them why didn't you take the lid off the well so that the they, they can start drinking and all of a sudden this this girl comes walking up with some more sheep and And she's got a little flock of sheep. She comes up and he starts going. He goes, whoa. Hey, hey. What we got here? And he gets excited. And the closer she gets, the more excited he gets because she's beautiful. In fact, the Bible says she's drop dead gorgeous. You might not use that word today, but that was our word. She was hot. That made you real uncomfortable when I said that, didn't it? And so she gets closer, and he goes, wow, man, she looks good. He comes up, and he introduces herself, and he realizes it's his cousin. Yeah, it's his cousin. They just, (laughs) Miss Mary whispered to the, (laughs) she whispered to the teenage boy next to her. back in those days, it was okay. (laughs) Oh, that's good. You just learned a valuable lesson, son. (laughs) Back in those days it might have been okay. Today it ain't right. Amen. <laughs> so he realizes that she is the daughter of his uncle Laban. And so he goes back to back to their home with them and and he greets his uncle and hey uncle how you doing man? It's good to see you. You know Rachel, man, she's grown up. A lot. She's very pretty. <laughs> And so he hangs out with Uncle Laban and them for a while, and he works on the farm. And after about a month, Uncle Laban offers him a position. He says, look, let me pay you for this work you've been doing, and then let's pick up on the story right here. Genesis chapter 29, starting at verse 16, it says this. It says, now Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was named Leah, and the younger one was Rachel. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Wow. The Bible says Leah had no sparkle in her eye. That's a very gentle way of saying Rachel was ugly. I know that's kind of hard, but let's just speak the truth. But Rachel, the Bible says, was beautiful in shape and form. That means she was right? Come on, she had some curves. She wasn't a twig. She had, anyway. Uh, I must have struck a nerve. I got quiet. (laughs) Leah's, Leah's the older one and she's She's, she's the older of the two daughters, and in those days, it was customary to, to marry off the oldest first, right? Because if you didn't marry off the oldest one first, chances are you were going to be stuck with her, okay? But the problem was that Jacob was in love with the younger one. And if you know anything about Jacob's past, he had a father wound. His dad, he lost the love of his father at a very young age. And then later in life, he lost the love of his mother, And we all know what that does. Just losing the love of your father is one thing that that it just does an abundant amount of things to you emotionally. It scars you. It leaves you empty. Right. And then on top of that, he loses the love of his mother. So now he's got insecurities. He's got this void inside of him that he doesn't know how to deal with. Anybody ever grew up that way? So he sees this beautiful woman, Rachel, and he thinks, man, if I can just have her everything's going to be fine. Come on, man, you know how it is. When you saw that Ford commercial and the new Ford came out and you were like, you're sitting there in your recliner and you go, man, if I could get me one like that, red with tan at the bottom, a lariat, everything would be good. Amen? I mean, that's hope for all you Chevy people, okay? And then you foreign guys, well, you're hopeless, so. But anyway, I did a little bit of research, and I looked up, and I found what Leah looked like in in the Old Testament. So I actually have a picture of Leah. Can we put the picture of Leah up? There you go. All right. So I dug a little deeper, and I actually found a picture of Rachel. Show us what Rachel looks like. Come on now. Woo! Man, that's my smoking hot wife right there. I told you, baby, I take every opportunity. I'm no idiot. That's double bonus down, triple brownie points right there, and I guarantee you I'm going to cash in as soon as possible. Amen? I had to lie this morning to get that picture, but that's all right. I'll take that lick. I'm glad that went well, because let me tell you something, I was nervous. Like, buddy, if this don't go well, it's, whew, it's just a risky take. But I would never undervalue the importance of physical attraction. Amen? There's nothing wrong with physical attraction. Listen to me. God gave you the attraction gift. When you saw your mate for the first time, you were attracted to them. There was something that caught your eye about that person. I remember the first time I saw Cheryl, we were at a college football game, and we got introduced by friends. And when I saw her, I was like, she's the one. i had been looking all over the place. I actually, I was in college, backslidden, running from Jesus, but I, there were two things I prayed for. One, to pass every test I took and didn't study for. And number two, that God would help me find my wife while I was in college. He answered the second one. Praise God. But when I first laid eyes on Cheryl, I was like, I heard the music. I heard the birds. The sun came out. It was at night. The sun came out. I mean, it was like, it was amazing. Now, she didn't have the same feelings for me. She's like, oh, another dumb jock. Did you not say that? Yeah, she said that. Until. (laughs) Until the day she saw me in short pants. I used to have these thighs, man. These things were like ripped up. I mean, I could leg press 1,500 pounds. You got to remember, I was a beast at one time. Now I'm just soft, okay? But, I mean, I was, it was like, and I wore some shorts. I used to wear those short shorts, okay? It's not like today. I mean, we did, if you wore something down here, that looked like capris or something from men. We used to wear the short ones because you had something that you've been working on that you wanted to show off, right? Come on, man. Don't be bashful. Don't leave me hanging. We wore the shorts, man. I, every time I get around, boom, flex the muscle. Boom, 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 kind of walk like the, like, like the Hulk or something. Boom, boom. When she saw them legs, baby, it was over with. I saw the gleam in her eye then. She was like, It was a glorious day. I still got those shorts. No, I'm picking. <laughs> you burned them. <laughs> But, you know, so many people are interested in the external, right? What they look like, how they smell. Do they have a good job? Did they come from a good family? Do they live on the right side of the tracks, right? Do they have an education? Did they finish high school, right? That's what people look for these days. They look at the external. Does he brush his teeth? Is she hiding something underneath all that makeup? Uh, yes. <laughs> an honest woman. We got an honest woman in the house. But we look, at, we look at the external, and we and we judge people, and we get attracted to people by the external, not ever wanting to look at the internal, right? For Cheryl and I, it was just an external attraction. At least it was for me. Now, the whole thigh thing, that was just a joke. I mean, I'll pick on her about that, but, you know. But it was external. I saw her. And and something went off in me, and it was the attraction gift, okay? And I believe it was from God because I'm supposed to be married to Cheryl. But I didn't look inside. Now, we were smart enough to date for four years before we actually got married, so I got to know the inside. And I actually fell more in love with it, although the love is blind, right? Because I'm I'm not going to embarrass you, but maybe I will. When I met Cheryl... She didn't clean her room. She was in college and didn't clean her room. She had a pile of clothes. I'm not exaggerating this high in front of her bed. Now, you see, I was the opposite. When I was in high school, I was a messy Marvin, and my mom took care of everything. When I went to college, I became a neat freak. I, like, made my bed. I washed and ironed my own clothes. I mean, my stuff, my closet was, like, tight and right when I went to college. But Cheryl, she was the total opposite. Messy. Her mama spalled her. She did everything for her. She would fix her plate of food and bring it to her and then pick it up afterwards. She didn't cook much. Love is blind, let me tell you. Because for a big hungry guy like myself, that should have been a quality. Right? Now God's grace is is that now she's a neat freak and she cooks excellent. Amen? (laughs) That's the grace of God. Amen. But we got to know each other internally. But, you know, some people look at marriage as the answer to everything. Right. If we were honest this morning, we would say that when when, when, before you got married, you thought, you know, when I finally get married. Man, it's going to be good. Life is going to be great. How many of you thought that had those thoughts? You know, when we finally get, now for men, you probably thought, you know, we're going to get a place. We're going to do this. And you probably had visions of what the house was going to look like and all this. But you thought that when you got married, it was finally going to fulfill you. I was guilty of that. I, just like Jacob, I come from a past where my father hurt me, bailed out on me as a baby. My mom, she spoiled me, but she died early. And I was left empty and found Cheryl, and, and honestly, I wanted Cheryl to fulfill my life. Even though I didn't know that that's what I wanted, that's what my expectations were, is that she was going to fulfill this emptiness inside of me. And you know what I did is I put something on her that she didn't deserve. Number one, that she couldn't fulfill. I set her up for failure because she can never feel the emptiness inside of me. Amen? So I want to give you three problems that occur when we look at marriage as the answer to life. Problem number one, when you believe marriage is the answer, you compromise more than you should. You compromise more than you should. In other words, you give up more than you should. When you believe that marriage is the answer. You give up things that are important to you and to God just to get what it is that you think is going to fill your life. Let's look at verse 18. It says this. It says, since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I will work for you for seven years, seven years. If you'll give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Do you realize that in those days that was three point five times the average in that culture? Most times they they worked for a year or a year and a half to two years for their wife. Now, some of you might say, oh, Shad, he's going to work seven years for his wife. And some of you going, oh, Shad, nothing. He's going to work for his wife. Sometimes they gave money for their wives. Sometimes they gave cattle. (laughs) Look, I'll give you my two best cows for your youngest daughter. But Jacob didn't do that. He had such a need, such a desire inside that he threw all of his chips in at one time. He compromised. Most guys in those days would negotiate from a year on up and try to get a wife for about two years if they had to work for it. Okay, I'll work for two years. Well, give me three. Uh, I'll give you two. No, I want three. Okay, I'll go two and a half. Okay, we'll do two and a half. Then you can have her as your wife. You see how it used to work in those days. Thank God it ain't like that anymore, right? Even though you're still working for it anyway. <laughs> That's true. The simple truth is is that Jacob wasn't thinking right. He was so anxious to fill the void in his life that he compromised. You may have been the young girl who wanted to keep yourself pure until marriage and then you found, ho- ho- hopingly, the one, but he was pushing you sexually and maybe you were the one that kind of compromised. You say, well, if I give him my body, maybe he'll give me his heart. Or you, you may have been the guy who, who wanted the, the good-looking girl to be on your arm and so you, you spent everything you had and went into debt just to try and buy her love. You compromised. Amen. You compromised to give up something. You gave up something to get something you thought was going to fill this void in your life. When marriage is the answer, you compromise more than you should. Amen. Now, we have to make compromises in marriage, but you follow what I'm saying. You give up something because you're so anxious to fill this void in your life. That you cut a corner, you cheat, you kind of give in when you shouldn't give in. Number two, the second problem we see when wrongly marriage is your answer, we tend to be very demanding. Any demanding husbands here? Women, you can raise your hand. You're smart. You become very demanding when when you think that marriage is the answer. A lot of women work today, full-time jobs. And so the, the the woman works all day long, work, 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 and she gets home, and then she's got now housework, kids, school, homework, cleaning, cooking, and then here comes the man, right? Walks in the door, hey, what's for supper? She's like, I know who this is, that. The day I done had, he's gonna come on ask for supper? Why don't he just add and men you need to understand this? I learned this the hard way. Why don't he just come in here and ask, baby, do you need some help? <laughs> come on, we're getting somewhere now. Y'all starting to speak up a little bit. But we come in, what's what's for supper? And we go, drop my bath and bring me grapes. <laughs> Y'all don't do that? Men, y'all don't do that? Whew. Pray for me or be like me. One or the other. No. I know better. <laughs> I'd have grapes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and I'd have a bath, too, in the ditch with acorns or something looking like grapes. But we get demanding. We start, we start fighting for what we want. Watch what Jacob does in verse 21. Jacob gets demanding. Finally, the time came for him to marry her. And and he said this, I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now give me my wife so I can marry her. Some translations say, give me my wife so I can lay with her. Jacob comes into this marriage demanding. He's compromised. He compromised seven years. I'm like, you idiot, you could have had her for two So for seven years, he can't touch her, he can't see her, nothing. Seven years, he's working his tail off for this beautiful girl. And at the end of the seven years, can you about imagine how he felt at the end of seven years, man? He's like, oh, going, and it's about time. It's on now. Gonna get my woman. And he comes into this whole marriage demanding. Goes up to his soon-to-be father-in-law, now uncle. This still sounds weird. And he says, I fulfilled my commitment. Now give me my wife. Wow. How many of us are in marriage like that still today? I've done my part, now you do your part. How many of I how many of us are Covenant marriage has gone from a covenant to a contract. You know what a contract is, is when one party agrees to do one thing and the next party agrees to do the other. And you trade out services, right? Can I tell you something? This morning on the way to church, I had to repent to my wife because there's areas in our marriage that I've I've allowed us to go into a contract type situation. I've made statements like this in the heat of an argument. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't help out enough in the house. You take care of the inside, and me and Ethan will take care of the outside. I'm serious. Anything in the house is yours. Anything outside is mine. Why? Because I didn't want to wash no more dishes. I didn't want to fold no more clothes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now it's funny, but it's true. We make, contra- we make contracts out of our marriage. When it's supposed to be a covenant where we lay one life down for the other. Amen. That's what marriage is. Marriage is a covenant where we lay our lives down for our wives and they lay their lives down for us. But if we're not careful, it becomes a contract. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? It becomes a, 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 an agreement almost as if you sit down with, okay, you got this, 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 and this. And I got that, 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 and that signed the bottom line. I mean, some of us have done everything but sign the bottom line. Jacob's coming into this whole marriage demanding as it's a contract. You see, the reason he's like that is because he compromised on the front side. He compromised to get the girl that he wanted. He made a compromise. And because of that compromise, he now felt that he had the right to be demanding because it was his way. It was his proposal. It was what he saw fit for him to do. Amen? You with me so far? The crazy thing is women can be demanding too. Come on, men, you got to wake up. That was your chance to say amen. Women can be demanding too. Are you going to pick your socks up? No. I ain't picking them up they not in the way. You see, me personally, I don't have a problem with clothes being on the floor just as long as the clothes aren't in the walkway. Right? If I come through the door and there's shoes in the doorway, I am instantly frustrated. I got sensitive feet. And if I step on something, it just makes me nuts. So I'm constantly. No, my house isn't that bad, but. There's things that just set me off, amen. And and women are demanding, and men are demanding. It's no preference either way. I got some buddies, man. Their wives run the show. I had a buddy one time. I said, "Dude, you need to punch that woman in the nose." He said, "What you mean?" I said, "Dude, you need to get your manhood back." It's funny, but I'm serious. There's nothing that frustrates me more than a woman who's running the house. Man, you got, golly. We're going to have a men's meeting this week. We're going to talk about how you talk in church. and Yeah, at least, at least grunt. <laughs> That's bad when a woman says at least grunt. Come on, man, we can do that. Let's practice. One, two, three. All right, there you go. Even in a good marriage, it's easy to say, I did my part, now you need to do yours. You know where this shows up a lot? is sexually. We kid around a lot about, well, I'm going to cut you off. <laughs> and sometimes I go, cut me off from what? You got to cut something on before you cut it off. That's how we joke. But if we're not careful, we'll use that as a tool, won't we? Right? I had, I had worked with a guy one time, and, and uh, he, he missed work. And he was my right-hand guy, and he did all my, my work for me. And, and uh, he didn't show up. And you know, I was like, so the next day, I think his name was Robert. I said, I said Rob, what happened this morning, yesterday morning? Man, What, what, what you okay? You sick? What, what happened? He said, oh, no. He said, I got up to go to work. I got dressed. I put my boots on. I went downstairs. And my lunchbox was on top of the table, empty. He said, so I turned around, put my keys up, walked back upstairs, took my clothes off, and jumped into bed. And when she said, what you doing? He said, well, if you ain't going to work, I ain't going to work. I was like, dude, you brave. (laughs) (laughs) I'd have come to work with a black eye. (laughs) You follow what I'm saying? If we're not careful, we'll use that against one another. When you think that marriage is the answer to everything, that's what I'm saying. I I put a weight on Cheryl that she wasn't able to carry. Are you with me? And if she's not careful, she puts expectations on me that I can never fulfill. Women, let let me let you in on something. As men, you expect us to know. Right. Let me give you a hint. Tell us we still don't know. Even if you say it slowly, we don't know. We don't. So many times she says, Well, you can see I need help in the kitchen and I've been going crazy with homework. Can't you just on your own come help me without me asking? I didn't realize it. I didn't know. And I'm expecting mercy. And she's like, no. In the name of Jesus, I'll cast that devil out of you. You're going to know. No. But if we're not careful, that's where our marriages end up. Let me give you a little secret. What I've learned in, in, in marriage so far, and we're still young in marriage, but what I've learned so far is that you got to keep a close eye on your marriage because it has a tendency to slip. You may compromise in this little area. And you may slip over here. And if you're not careful, you get further and further away from where you're supposed to be. Amen? It's the subtle things you got to watch out for. It's not just the big things. You don't need to always be looking for the big things. Men, you need to keep your eye on your marriage. If you see yourself slipping, you need to tune it up. That's why you need to have other men speaking into your life. Amen? That's why when me and Pastor Bubba and all us other guys, we get around each other. We look where we're looking. We watch where the other person's looking. Come on, we go into restaurants where, where they got women that look certain ways. I watch my buddies. I'm, and I feel them watching me. And most of time, we end up just going. Hmm. But if you're not careful, it'll slip. And if you don't keep an eye on it, it'll get too far away from you. Amen? It's important to keep your eye on it. It's important to have other couples around you with great marriages. Number one, so that you can learn from them. You can be challenged by them. Come on. You can ask questions. Amen? The third problem we we find when we see marriage as our answer is you always end up dissatisfied. you always end up dissatisfied. When you expect her to be something that she's not, you end up dissatisfied. When you expect him to do something that he doesn't know to do, you end up dissatisfied. Amen? You're wanting him to be your all in all, but he can never be your all in all. Men, you're wanting her to be your intimacy. You're wanting her to be everything that you're lacking and everything that you want. But she can't be everything you'll end up being dissatisfied. you set them up for guaranteed failure. Let me catch you up to speed here on the story. Jacob was like, I got to marry this girl. She's beautiful. He, he works for seven years, and finally the day comes when he'll marry his bride and his, his uncle's sitting there thinking, man, he wants Rachel, but I got to get rid of Leah first because I don't want to be stuck with Leah, so I need to help Leah get married because Why? Because the Bible says there was no sparkle in her eye. So he, he's, he goes, you know, I got I to gotta do something. So this wedding party's coming. And their wedding partings, parties in those days were seven days long. I mean, they had a throwdown. Women, think about that. Planning your wedding and your reception is seven days long. It's easy. If you're unsaved, food and alcohol. Just keep enough of it there. Everybody's fine. They'll maintain themselves. <laughs> But seven days, and there was alcohol there. There was things going on, and, and, and they, were, they were throwing down, having a good time. And Laban's thinking, well, maybe if I, if I pay attention, I'll find out when Jacob gets toasted. In other words, he had too much to drink, and he goes to lay down, and I'll bring Leah. I'll throw a big fat veil over Leah, and I'll bring her and slip her into the bedroom, and then he'll sleep with her, and then all of a sudden he's married to her now. You see, you see the deception? And then now my oldest one will be married. And then two weeks later, I'll go ahead and let him have Rachel. And so, so Laban gets Leah and he says, baby, this is your shot. This is your opportunity. And he's dressing and he covers her up. He goes, listen, you slip in there and you seal the deal. And she does. And the next morning, Jacob wakes up. He goes, whoa. Because remember, he thought he was sleeping with Rachel. But he woke up with Leah, sometimes there's those whoa moments in your life where you, huh. Right? You thought you went to bed with Rachel, but you woke up with Leah. Whoa! You see, you thought that your your, your spouse was going to be perfect, and one day you woke up and you went, whoa! And I'm not just talking about the physical thing. I'm talking about everything else. One day you wake up, after the honeymoon's over, you wake up and you go, his feet stinks. Now your girlfriend's asking, so how's Billy? I thought, is he still perfect? And you're like, no. (laughs) He only brushes his teeth one time a day. (laughs) Leaves his dirty drawers everywhere. Don't pick up nothing. And girl, when he gets home, he just wants to sit in the recliner. And watch that TV. My mama told me them men, they bark all day, but they meow at night. She wasn't lying. Because he fusses all day long. And then at night he's Trying to be sweet. One day you wake up and you realize that they're not what you thought they were. Amen? And then you got a choice to make. You know, this is why most people end up in divorces, because when they finally get past the glaze in their eyes and they see the person for who they really are and they understand that they're not feeling anything in my life. In fact, they're just causing more of a void because now I'm attached to somebody who's not filling me. So they must be draining me. And you start having thoughts of, well, I need to get out. I'm bored in my marriage, so I need to get out. I need to go find me a young one. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. Amen? We used to pick and cut up, and I'd say, you know, when guys we'd be talking about, i said, man, I ain't going to get another woman. It took me 10 years to break this one in. You got to be crazy if you think I'm going to go get another one and start over. That was supposed to be funny. Not too funny. Sorry. But that's where you end up if you're not careful. But the whole time he's he or she's supposed to be the one right supposed to be the one. The one to answer all my questions, the one to fill all my desires, the one to fill up my empty places. Right. You remember your mama might have told you, baby, you just got to wait for the one. Just the one. It's all about the one. When you find the one, the right one. You know what the problem is? Is that the one we're looking for that can satisfy us is God. And the person you need to look for after you know God and you get into a good relationship with God, and he starts filling up all those empty places. Then you start looking for the two. And that person needs to become second in your life. Amen. They need to be second. You, How dare you put them number one? You know what you're actually doing is you're making an idol before God. expecting them to do something that only God can do. And then you end up fighting each other. Why? Because you're tro- you're both trying to make the other person be the one when they can never be. That applies to men and women. God is the only one. The only one. If you're ever going to be fulfilled, if you're ever going to have all your desires met, if you're ever going to be satisfied, God is the one. How dare you put that on your spouse? Amen. If you're here today and you're single and you're looking for the one, you need to go ahead and find him. His name is God. And you go ahead and find one. And in the process of growing and getting to know one, maybe he'll introduce you to your number two. That's a promise for all the single people. Why waste your time trying to find the one when you can never find him on this planet? Find God. Build a relationship with God. Let him lead you. Let him do something in your life. Let him fulfill all your expectations. And then go find number two. And enjoy life the way you're supposed to enjoy it. Free from the expectations. Free from the guilt and the shame. Free from the fights and the arguments. Not to say that you won't fight and argue. But I promise you, when God's your number one, there's going to be a lot less fighting. Amen. I promise you, men, this is how it usually works at my house. We get into a fight because I'm not doing something she expects or she's not doing something I expect. I get mad. I to, and it always happens after 11 o'clock at night, doesn't it? I'm mean, like, why can't we start fighting at noon and be over with by three so we can sleep good? No, you got to stay up all night. Sorry, I just hate it. Because this is what happens, is we get in this big old argument, and, and you try not to let the kids hear, and all these things going on, and, and I get mad, and I storm out. Lord, you better straighten that woman out. She, you know I'm right this time. You know it. This is how I talk to God. You know I'm right. It's time for her to straighten them. You got me last time. It's her turn. I'm. That's exactly how it looks. I'm serious. Except I'm in my drawers, but. Bad video, bad video. (laughs) Shouldn't have said that. That's all right. God will heal your mind. Cleanse my mind. Let's uh, stop and pray for a minute. So then I end up in the living room and I'm sitting on the sofa and my lips dragging. I'm boudéing. She's going to come. She'll be here in 15 minutes crawling on her knees, repenting unto her master because I'm right and she's wrong. And 15 minutes goes by, and she doesn't come in. I'm sitting there, I'm going, hmm. She, I wonder if she fell asleep. That's how you really make them mad. You just fall asleep. Act like it don't bother you. I'm not trying to give you those kind of hints. but So about another 15 minutes goes by, and then you know what's happening? I'm on my face, on the floor, crying my eyes out. Lord, I just please, Lord. Lord, please, I know I messed up. Lord, just help me. Help me to be a better man, Lord. Oh, God. And I come walking back to the bedroom. And she probably hears the walk. It's kind of like dragging my feet. You know, because I just got my tail kicked. Man, I got to go eat crow, right? Climb in the bed. You know, you don't touch each other, right? You're both on opposite sides. That's why I recommend getting a smaller bed. Only if you fight a lot. If you don't fight a lot, get a big bed because you need room. But you climb in bed and you go, baby. <laughs> and you hear go, hmm. baby, I'm sorry. I messed up. And I'm not going to go any further than that because it gets explicit after that. But, you know I mean? Cause let me tell you something. After every fight's a good makeup, amen? Sometimes I start a fight just to make up. Stop laughing at me. Y'all do the same thing. I'm picking. But that's how it ends up working, right? It's like, man, I want to get off of this cycle. But let me tell you something. The only way that ever changes is when I get closer to God. And I hear him tell me, son, you're dealing with my daughter. You see, because that's the way he sees it. You're dealing with my daughter. Or I listen to the Holy Spirit say, you better get in there washing dishes. She's had a rough day. Because you know, I get home and I'm like, I want to go jump on the tractor. I want to do something outside, man things. You know what I'm saying? I want to go outside and do my thing. And I pull up, man, I got all these expectations. And I walk in the house, I'm changing my clothes, putting on my old nasty clothes. I'm going outside and I look in the kitchen. And she's like, like, oh, I didn't see that. Oh, no, I didn't see that. And I even hit the door. I'm like, no, I didn't see that. And then the Holy Spirit goes, son, She's hurting. And I have a choice to listen or not. Right? And I may go inside and say, hey baby, what's wrong? You alright? No. Or some of you say, yeah, fine. I'm okay. <laughs> you just spill it all out. That's not my wife. She's like, no, I'm not good. <laughs> She wears it. You hearing what I'm saying? And it may be that I encourage her. Sometimes she just needs encouragement. Sometimes she just needs me to listen. Right? But what do I do? I want to go inside and I want to fix it. Right? I'm walking up. I already got the answer. Didn't even hear the problem. Got the answer. Baby, you Okay. Listen, it's going to be fine. All you got to do is this, that, this, and this, and and everything will be good. Good? You good? Okay, go on a tractor. Don't work like that, buddy. I tried that. Backfires too. Sometimes it's just listening. Amen? You learning something yet? So Laban pulls a fast one on Jacob. And now all of a sudden, Jacob's married to two women. <laughs> Both his cousins. <laughs> he did it wrong twice. Let's go to verse 31. I want to show you something. Leah becomes pregnant. And watch this. I want to flip this coin over and I want to show you Leah and her desperate desire to find somebody to fill her hole, to fill her emptiness. Verse 31 says, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. For she said, watch what she says. You'll see her attitude. She says this, the Lord has noticed my misery, and now my husband will love me. You see her attitude? See, because she's fully aware that she snuck him. She's fully aware that her and her daddy pulled a fast one on him. But she just wanted somebody to love her. She just wanted, she had a desperate desire for a man to just love her. And she compromised. Are you with me? She gave it up too early. She compromised for it. Then it became demanding. And now she's still dissatisfied. Because she names her first son Reuben, which means that the Lord has noticed my misery and now my husband will love me. She goes on to have two more kids, two more sons. Still empty, still dissatisfied, still compromising. Watch the end of this story. Verse 35 says, once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. She named him Judah. And just so you know, Judah means praise. For she said, now I will praise the Lord. And then she stopped having children. You see what happened? She got a revelation. She gained understanding. She gained knowledge that Jacob is not the answer for my misery God is and I will praise the Lord is what she says because she tried for three times in having three kids probably saying the same thing. The Lord has saw my misery and now Jacob will love me. Surely he will love me. I've given him three kids. Now he's going to love me. Some of you are in here and you work your tails off for your spouse to try and win their approval. And you think if I do this, then now they'll love me. When you need to set them free from that. And understand that they are going to love you one way or the other, but you need to find the love of the Father first. Amen? And until you find the love of the Father, you're always going to be empty, and you're always going to be dissatisfied, and you're never going to have life in your bones because you only get that from the Father. Only from the Father. This morning, we got to take these chains off of each other that we've placed. We got to take these bonds and we got to break them. We got to break them loose and say, you know what? I'm going to let you down. I'm going to blow it. I'm going to mess up. But whatever you need, you need to get it from the Father. Amen. But that doesn't mean that we don't start giving to one another. It doesn't mean we stop laying our lives down for one another because we have a covenant and we're supposed to lay our lives down. Men, you're supposed to love your wife like Christ loves the church. You need to study how much Christ loves the church. Then you'll know how much to love your wife. Amen? But everything you need needs to be found in God. Leah finally gets it. And she finally gets the satisfaction she's been looking for. She goes, I will praise God. He's my hope. He's my fulfillment. He's my everything. I don't see my husband as my everything anymore. Though he loves me and I love that he loves me and I love him back and he's great. And I'm so glad that I get to do life with them. I am very grateful for Cheryl. I truly understand that God had to give me a strong woman because otherwise I'd have bullied over a weak woman. I'm serious. My wife is very strong. I needed that. She's a gift from God. When God says that she's my helpmate, she truly is my helpmate. She helped me get dressed this morning. I'm serious. Do I wear an undershirt? Do I not wear an undershirt? I don't know. Are you you with me this morning? Let me give you one more thing. What did you not see in this story? What did you not see? Did you see anybody praying? Did you see anybody seeking God? Did Jacob seek God? Did he go to God and say, God, what do you want me to do? Is this the one? Did you see Rachel or Leah seeking God? Did you see Laban seeking God? You didn't see any of that, did you? You just seen people with their own fleshly desires going after what they thought they needed, right? I mean, listen, if God would have been involved in this whole thing, this story could be totally different. Amen? Jesus had made a statement one time and one of the most important statements he ever made. He said, there's one commandment I give to you. It's the greatest one of all. And that's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. God is the one. He's the one. Your spouse is the two. If I could prioritize your life today, I would say this. In your life, your number one priority is your relationship with God. Your second priority is your relationship with your spouse. Your third priority is your relationship with your kids. And don't you dare put your kids before your spouse. Amen. And then everything else just falls in behind that. First is God. Second is your spouse. Third are your children. If your if family, if your marriage life revolves around your kids, then you got something going on wrong. Amen. If they determine what you do and how you do it and whether or not you get to go on a date night or not and all these other things, you out of order. Can I just say that? Can I just be honest with you this morning? But the good news is, is that you can turn it around. Amen. Can you stand up with me today? Before I pray for you, I just want to show you something in all of this. Once again, God takes something that didn't start out right, but has the chance to end right. Do you know what comes from Judah? You know, Leah had Judah and you know who Judah represents? He represents the lineage to which Jesus came from. The greatest miracle in the world came and started with Leah and Judah. Are you hearing me? You may be married today and you may be right where I just said you were. But let me tell you something. Just because you started that way does not mean you need to end that way. Amen. It's not important how you start the race. It's important how you finish the race. Amen. Amen. I confess to you this morning, in all honesty, I've got some areas I've got to work on. I've got some stuff I've got to deal with. I repented to my wife on the way over here with a sincere heart. Because, you know, I studied this message, and I got convicted by the Holy Spirit that i had been compromising in some areas. I wanted our marriage to become more like a contract because I'm a businessman, and I like contracts, and contracts just tend to work out. And if they don't work out, then I, you get penalties. Why am I sharing that with you? Because I want you to understand that I'm not perfect. My marriage needs work. I need work. And we both need to look at it as I need work, and she needs to look at it as she needs work. But if your hope is found in God, then you can go on. Amen? There's hope. There's hope. There's a miracle coming through your marriage. Amen? Can we lift our hands up this morning while I pray for you? Lord, I thank you for this, this. unusual story, Lord. Father, help us to be a church that. Lord, we know how to find the one, first of all. And then we know how to keep a relationship with the one and the one being you, God. Help us to be these kinds of people, Lord. Teach us to make you the one in our marriage. And even in our own personal lives, Lord. And Lord, help us to see our spouses as the two. Help us, Lord. We're weak in this area, Father. We need your help. We want to we get things right. We want to have the marriage that you want for us to have. The marriage that you've laid out on a blueprint, Lord. That is, is, it's an abundant marriage. It's full of life and it's life-giving, Lord. Help us to achieve that, Father. Help us in our weakness, Lord. Show us our weakness. Help us to self-examine ourselves and see where we fall short. Help us to hear the voice of your Holy Spirit when we need to hear the voice of your Holy Spirit so that we're led by you in our marriages, Lord. So, Father, thank you for today. For all the single people here, Lord, that are, are longing for that day, Father, help them to make sure that you're the one so that, Lord, when they do find the two, Lord, everything's right from the get-go. So, Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace on us. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?